And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Darkness did not overcome it, is another translation of that. Couldn't put it out. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So... As we, as we concentrate on this, you know, it's, you could say this is a little bit of a, um, I don't know, it's just kind of one of those goofy illustrations that Pastor Kenny comes up with. So, you know, we've got this flashlight Sunday, but the intent is that when we all bring our flashlights, that we can change the world around us. When we all see ourselves as a light, that it makes a big difference that we're not alone. And um, the other night, Connie and I were walking home in the dark, and she had her little iPhone light out. And I said, well, honey, I've got this light here. It's much better. And she said, no, this one illuminates my path much better. But this one illuminates far off. I said, your light can't do this. And I shined <laughs> way down. And no, her light couldn't do that, but her, her iPhone light did a real good job illuminating her path. But whatever we have, the idea is to use it. And so that brings us into this portion here, you guys. Um, and this is out of 1 Corinthians 14, 26. How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. How, how is it when you come together? Well, this is, what, this is what Paul is saying to the Corinthian church. This is the order he's saying that should be happening. It shouldn't all be happening willy-nilly all at once. It should be happening in order. But I like what he says, let all things be done <laughs> decently and in good order. There's, there's a portion of the church that doesn't feel comfortable with certain parts of things being done. Prophecy, tongues with interpretation, the church may not feel comfortable with that, but Paul doesn't say just because you're not comfortable, eliminate it. He's saying let all things be done for the good and for the edification. And so here's where it goes on. Let all things be done for edification. That means for building up. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let, it, let there be two or the most three, each in turn, and let one interpret. And I would say to you that that's not saying that in a church service there can't be more than that, but it's saying if you're going to do it, do those things in succession, making sure you're taking care of each one before there is more. 
And today we're not focusing so much on tongues with interpretations. What, we're, what I'm asking you to do is, what is God currently speaking to you out of his word? What is he currently encouraging you in his word? What, is he, what has he been saying to you? What life experiences have been happening? And I'm asking for people to share like within one or two minutes those things. It's not a matter of going into great detail. It's a matter of saying, this is what God's speaking to me, possibly bringing scripture up. We are going to turn the lights back on, <laughs> but, but you guys are flashlights this morning. You're bringing the light of the word to build up the body of Christ today. Amen? Amen. You guys good with that? How many of you got something to share? Shine your lights at me if you have something to share today. Okay, good. We got a few of you. How many of you have something to share and you didn't bring a flashlight? Good. You can borrow mine if you want, all right? That, you have a lot to share. <laughs> you can shine your light at me, buddy. You're going to be up here talking a lot. <laughs> all right, are we ready to worship? Do we know what we're doing? Okay, in the middle of worship, you're going to come up here. And you can turn the lights on, by the way. Um, as we worship, if you have something you want to share, you're going to have to get Jackie's attention. Get this microphone from Justin and share what the Lord's put on your heart. Now, if, if somebody comes up and shares something, and maybe you have a question, maybe you, you have something to add to that, would you agree to raise your hand? And get their attention before they before they leave the stage, and either ask that question or or um, come up and and, and uh, add to whatever they whatever they shared. Okay, because we're building together. If if I was going to go in a whole teaching in this, and I'm not, I, I would just tell you guys that the wall of Jerusalem was rebuilt in the book of Nehemiah because everybody built according to the same standard and they joined the wall together. Not one person built the whole wall. Everybody together was building the wall. So let's, let's build up the body of Christ today, all right? You guys clear what we're doing? All right. Let's stand together and we'll open in worship. Yeah. 
Anybody, when things are going good, ever tend to self-destruct? Does anybody have that show of hands? Anyone? Anyone? So why is that? Why, when things are going good, do we self-destruct? I, um, what's that? Nutty? Yeah, yeah. I'd. Well, isn't it awesome that we have a God that I can't? So God gave us a me and gave us a business, and and it's. And it's amazing. It's truly amazing. And I, I've gotten so busy that um, that I forgot the most important thing. I didn't forget, but I. It's funny how you start snuffing God out when you get too busy. And uh, um, I love that God sends people. Um, I think he started with Pastor Kenny. And. Uh, and Pastor Kenny says, Troy, I'm just curious. You know, I'm worried about you. Um, how's your balance? Uh, I'm like, my balance? What do you mean? How's your balance? How are you balancing your new business, um, the people that you have to deal with every day? Because customers can tend to be a little tricky at times, um, anybody that has business. And uh, he goes, and where's the people that's important in your life? Where are they at? And are you still having anything to do with them? And 
Anyway, so he sent Pastor Kenny. Um, he sent, I don't know, there's been several different people reaching out to me. And I'm like, isn't that awesome that we have a God that cares so much that, that he sends people? Troy, I'm worried about you. He just sent Chuck. Troy, I've been worried about you. I just, I don't understand. Um, why, why when things are going so well, do we just push God away? So Kenny, Kenny said flashlight. <clears throat> uh, that's what we call it. What, what do the British call it? Call it a torch. And every time he said flashlight, I heard torch. And I wondered what that was about. So as things unfolded, I realized what the Lord was trying to tell me is, is, you know, in all biblical times, the Old Testament, the New Testament, it was a torch. So you think about a flashlight and it can point ahead. And I think this is what, what Troy's getting at, is that sometimes we think, oh, I know where I'm going. I can see that very clearly. But when you hold a torch, the Lord reminded me that you've got to be careful with it. You could set the whole place on fire, burn the whole thing down. This wonderful thing that the Lord has brought to you. Another thing he revealed to me is that the light doesn't just go forward like that concentrated flashlight. It doesn't just show where I'm going, where I want to go, where I want to see, but it illuminates back onto me. And that's what Troy's getting at, is that light's supposed to reflect on me too and let me see me. And I'm the problem with when things are going well. I'm the problem. It's not him, it's not the circumstances, it's not the blessings, it's what, what I'm doing there. I think I'll stay down here. <laughs> well, the Lord's been showing me focus, where to look. Um, in reading through Job, it isn't what's happening it's what's going to happen that's important. Job got to look forward and see and ended up with a new life, new kids, new wealth. It wasn't important that he was sitting horribly in ashes with nothing and a wife that told him to curse God and die. It's look forward and just in today's reading, it's talking about wicked people who have everything going for them. They lay down at night with everything they should possibly want, and they wake up and it's gone. Why? Because they're in hell. And then the righteous split what they've got. And that focus looking forward. And as it says in Hebrews, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That's where we need to have our eyes focused, not on what's around us, not on what this little piddling stuff that's going on, but on where we're going and where we're ending up. And like Job said, in my flesh, I will see God. And we need to be seeing him in this flesh here and now as well as then.
so it was that first week after Pastor Kenny started talking about being the light, the Lord woke me up one of those nights through that week and showed me how I was darkness to certain individuals or my actions. The visual he gave me first was a light bulb. And like when you first put in a light bulb and it's brand new, it's very light. And there's nothing that hinders that light from coming through, such as dust or particles and stuff like that. And he showed me how my actions or my words at times would put a, a sheet over his light and it was blocking his light from shining through. So Matthew 5:16 was a scripture I just would read and read and read and listen to and try to apply that and realizing after I read it enough times repetitively what that's saying is we do that good works so that his light shines through. It's not about us being recognized for the light that we do, but it's so he can shine through us. And as I thought more about this, in my days when I wasn't following Christ, I put myself in some very dark places. And when I lived in Vegas, I would go out drinking or whatever. And I look back and I'm like, those, they were all dark. Like he wanted to put dark on the windows. Like they literally do that. So you don't see the light when you're in those places. And it was just such a different realization when he showed me that. And it was, I shared with Pastor Kenny earlier this week, it was so humbling. I'm at this place where I can humbly receive God's correction in my life and not be angry and not turn away from him when he corrects me. And for me, that's almost the bigger lesson in this and realizing that and just being available to be that for them, for him and for other people. So that when there are those people that are lost in darkness, even if it's within ourselves, that I can be a light for somebody to see and they can like ask questions and then I can answer. Tears may fall, my song will rise, my song will rise to you. When my heart may fail, my song will rise, my song will rise to you. While there's breath in my lungs, I will praise you, Lord. In the dead of night, I lift my eyes, I lift my eyes to you. When the waters rise, I lift my eyes, I lift my eyes to you. While there's hope in my heart, I will praise you, Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. In the darkness of death, in the shadows of sin, joy of
physical it was emotional and just didn't want to move and of course you know I recognize that's depression and so I thought hmm ha, uh, uh, so I went to the word and I'd had some wonderful things during that period of time I had made um, I had a joy making lunch for my precious daughter-in-law and granddaughter I had um, uh, went to a friend's house for dinner. Uh, there was just uh, some really good things. but And I would be up and then whew, way back down again. So I was reading in uh, Titus. And in fact, I read Titus 2 and 3, chapters 2 and 3 twice. It tells you what to do for young men, old men, slaves, um, young women, old women. And, and it is, it's really a good passage, but over and over it says, do what is good, um, and uh, be ready to do what is good. 
he saved us, not because, but then he comes around. Okay, so you're going to do all these things, but then he says, he saved us, not because of the righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing, rebirth, and renewal by the Holy Spirit. And, um, but then it said, do things, um, devote yourself to doing what is good. These things are ec excellent and profitable for everyone. Well, so I know what you're supposed to tell people who are depressed. You get up and you get moving. And so um, <laughs> it's true. That's, that's, you, change your, you change your thoughts, which is the renewing of the word, and um, you, uh, uh, you just get out and get a plan and, and do it. So after my Bible reading um, this one day, I decided that's it. And so I called, um, I called some friends and invited them over for dinner the next night. So I had to get busy, do some lighthouse work, <clears throat> and you know prepare the meal. And um, the next morning, when I woke up early, um, I, and then I went back to sleep, but my heart was filled with joy. I thought, "Oh, they're coming over tonight. How nice!" And uh, so I, I just. It just fit. My Titus readings told me what to do about it. And then in Philemon, which was the next thing that I read, um, Paul is um, writing to him. Largely, it's uh, a book of, uh, he wants him to forgive someone, on Onesimus. But anyway, he goes on and um, he, uh, the intro to the book said that he peeled uh, to his, um, uh, their relationship, um, he, he persuaded his mind, and he moved his emotions to do this. And this verse that I, I just, I just love this verse, and I, I wrote it down in, in my journaling. Your love has given me great joy and improvement, encouragement, I'm sorry. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the saints. Okay, before I go on with this, Troy, I'd like to speak to your torch. You know, when we get really, really, really busy, sometimes we feel like we need both hands. We don't have a hand to hold the torch with, so we plant our torch. And then we just go about and do our thing. And we don't, sometimes, you know, we don't even realize that the torch is getting low. Because we're not holding the torch. We don't realize it's getting low. We're, pull we're pulling away from the torch. We're walking away from the torch. We're working. We're doing. I think sometimes that's what happens when we get really, really busy. Satan loves distraction. And he will use your success against you. Make sense? Okay. Yeah. So, now then. This one's mine. Revelation 5. Jesus comes in, the slain lamb. And he takes the scroll. And he opens one seal of the scroll. And all and God just breaks loose on the earth, right? You ever notice that's kind of like it, like it uh, is sometimes with us with our salvation? I mean, he hasn't even gotten to the rest of the seals yet, much less opened the scroll. But we've come to salvation. And there's one seal loose. 
and all of a sudden our life goes kaplooey. And for some reason, that made me think of my husband's bad back. He and the chiropractor are really, really good friends. He and the chiropractor gets to go to Hawaii every year just because of my husband, right? Not really, not really. But the thing is that the spine is meant to be flexible. It's meant to be able to move. It's meant to be able to twist and bend. But when you have those little rubber things in the middle that go out, or maybe the bones themselves get twisted out of joint, you can't move so good, can you? And our life, I, I think of the spine kind of like our spirit within us. And when our spirit's out of line, our life doesn't work so good. And we have to keep going back to the chiropractor, God, to put our spine back where it belongs. And we, sometimes we don't even realize how bad our sin put our spine out of whack until God starts working on us. And we're like, oh, no, God, I'm not that bad. Not me. But yeah, yeah, you are, really. Okay? So, Pamela, I'm going to call you out. <laughs> you said out loud and in public a couple of weeks ago that you were a lazy chicken when it comes to God things. Right? That's your spine out of alignment. That's not what God says about you. Get your, you know, you go to God and you get those discs put back in place sometimes. You get that spine put back in alignment sometimes. You are who God says you are, not who you think you are. Okay? And I can say that to Pamela because God's been working with me pretty much the same problem. But I am a procrastinating lazy chicken. Okay? You know, and, and I think, no, I am not a procrastinating lazy chicken. I am a daughter of God. And I am who he says I am. But I maybe have some bad habits going on over here. And because of those bad habits, my spiritual spine sometimes get kinks out of place. And I don't want to move too much because it hurts. Right? And I don't want to study too much because that takes effort. Amen. Yep, and I totally left that out. Right, because what that is, you know, we keep sliding back into old habits. That's our spiritual spine going out of alignment. We're sliding back into old habits and going to our old default that we used to have, that we used to think was comfortable. Jeremiah 18, 12, but the people replied, don't waste your breath. We will continue to live as we want to, stubbornly following our evil desires. What I thought when I was reading this was I sometimes get to the point where I don't want to keep doing good. I want to do what I want because sometimes I get really frustrated and react in an unkind 
stubborn, evil ways. But I really need to keep Satan out because he can make people do and say things that should that we should not and do not mean. I need to say no to him when he attacks. So I'm not only doing right, but I am conti- not continuing to let Satan push me to the concrete that will hurt me. I'm staying on the soft grass where God's correction is gentle. Um, mine is Hebrews 4, verse 14 and a half. Let us hold firmly to what we believe. Hold firmly to God. He is there. He is there. Sometimes it feels like we're falling off a cliff and there is no one around. Call for God. He will save you. He saves us even though we do bad things. Thanks, thank you, God, for saving me even though I have done bad things. Hello. <laughs> so, um, my verse is 1 John 2, verse 27. But you have received the Holy Spirit, and he lives within you, so you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. For the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know, and what he teaches is true. It is not a lie. So just as he taught you, remain in fellowship with Christ. My observation is... Um, God is truth. He is the teacher. And what I thought I could apply that to myself is what can what I can do because of this verse is stick with God. Read his word and let the Holy Spirit teach me through life. Wayne? I'd like to read some scriptures out of Psalm 109. I'm an object of scorn to my accusers. When they see me, they shake their heads. Help me, Lord my God. Save me according to your unfailing love. Let them know that it is your hand that you, Lord, have done it. While they curse, may you bless. May those who attack me be put to shame. But may your servant rejoice. May my accusers be clothed with disgrace and wrapped in shame as in a cloak. With my mouth, I will greatly extol the Lord. In the great throng of worshipers, I will praise him. For he stands at the right hand of the needy to save their lives from those who would condemn them. So I was, we were out of town. We had to go to court um, technically twice um, for our grandchildren and our daughter and unfortunately somehow um, the termination of my daughter's parental rights hearing technically trial um, somehow they got twisted to the point where Pamela and I were in our in our family Matthew included our our, uh, whole family somehow ended up being the focus of the proceedings rather than my daughter unfortunately and so at first the first time we went to the court hearings 
it was very odd. They were asking odd questions, questions that really didn't pertain to Michelle, our daughter. So it took me a day, you know, I'm kind of slow, to figure out, hey, the point here is to disgrace our family because they felt that they had Michelle uh, locked up and that she had no, no possibility of ever getting a um, judge to agree that she should be able to take you know, care of her children again. So they had to turn their attention to us because they had a agenda. Um, and while they curse, you may bless. May those who attack me be put to shame. And it was, it was just a full-on attack. That's, there's no doubt about it. And I won't go into minutia because the trial did. Um, but the point was is that we were able, okay, to withstand that attack because our family stands in truth. You can, you can ask my children, Pamela and I, we, uh, we don't usually mince words. When there's an issue, we generally take it head on. We don't try to skirt around issues. So, again, there, I maybe I've learned through the years, may, maybe to be a little bit more gentle, okay, and maybe a little bit more. Can't say loving and kind because truth, in itself, is loving and kind. But be able to present, okay, in a way that's truth but not offensive but in love and in truth and mercy well what was coming against us was not truth and mercy it was just flat out lies accusations innuendos and no basis in fact to the point of our and again we had to go through the process in this state to be able to take care of our children to come from another state and become licensed foster care um, family. So we had to go through that process. And, and it is quite in depth and, it, and again, it goes through every part of your, your family. It goes, it, it, it's you know, quite in depth. And uh, before they even got the results of that, they said a whole bunch of stuff about us that simply was not true. But, okay, thankfully, through that system, the hearing system, and our family being able to um, be cohesive and um, I can't say believable, but just honest, we were able to show that their accusations simply were false, had no basis in, in reality and what was going on in our family. But going through that process is very, very harsh and very trying. And for my daughter, it was even worse because they went to every single detail of her, of her life. But my testimony is that I'm so thankful that Jesus was there. His word, again, when I was there, I was having devotions, and this was part of my devotions. And this set of scriptures really spoke to me and encouraged me that, yes, God is still on the throne. Uh, truth will come out. He has a way of making things work to his glory. And um, again, if we stand in truth and love, 
and stay away from wickedness, you know, he will stand for us and he will fight for us. And so I'm really appreciative of that. And that's my testimony too. Hear my cry, O oh God, listen to my prayer. Well, I want to speak to that last one that God does listen to your prayer specifically you too, um, that I know most of you know this, or maybe all of you know this, but I need to proclaim it from up here that, um, that I am healed. <laughs> so thank you all for your prayers. God hears your prayers. I have been spoiled by them. And my last MRI report came up clean. So <laughs> praise God. Oh, sorry, my scripture, by his stripes we are healed. <laughs> and he is my healer.
He's been showing me, teaching me, and explaining his love to me, the depths that he will go just to touch me. But you have to be aware of what it is. You have to be seeking to see these things. It doesn't just come out of the blue. You have to know what to look for. If you're just looking at good things that happen, you don't see the intense love that God has for you. Um, well, I tried to write down what I wanted to say, but it didn't work out that way, so I'm just going to wing it. Um, let's start out with, um, I brought this flashlight on purpose. My husband said, why do you want to take that one? Because he's got quite a collection. Um, <laughs> and it, you probably can't see it from there, but it's um, camouflage. And it just reminded me of being in combat. And um, I I've been through a trial um, in the last month or so, and it started out as a physical trial that was quite scary. Um, I didn't go to the doctor. I called my best friend, Tammy, <laughs> who <laughs> prayed with me th throughout the week, off and on. We just prayed. Um, things would happen, and I'd call her, and we would stand. And we'd quote the word and um, healing scriptures, and the symptoms would subside, and then they'd come back again. Um, but me and her have been, um, we're just really passionate about healing. And um, I'm not against doctors in any way, believe me, I've been to them. But um, not in this situation, I felt like it was, no one could heal me like God could. So... And when he heals, he heals completely. So um, we stood, and um, it only lasted about a week, maybe five days. And physical healing has been great. And I just want to praise God for the promises in his word for healing. And, and um, his word is true. Um, but the, the mental onslaught of attack has been 
pretty gruesome. Um, I can agree with you, Wayne, that um, it just feels like an onslaught. So, um, and I've called Tammy about those things too, and we've stood. Um, but I just want to say how powerful God's word is to cut through all the lies of the enemy and um, to just silence him. And sometimes it took quoting a scripture five times before I would start feeling the peace coming. Um, and another thing I've been doing, um, I had a collection of healing scriptures that got me through, but um, I wasn't so worried about my mental condition until this happened. <laughs> and um, so it's got me more um, looking up scriptures on fear and strength and um, committing those to memory and writing them down and going over them over and over again them and um, and I call them my arsenal. So <laughs> I'm all about combat and war and, um, and just praise God. I'm so thankful for his healing and for his word. How many of you guys, because I know I'm not the only one, like when your power goes out at night and you're sitting there in the dark and you're like, where's the flashlight? <laughs> and inevitably, you can't find the flashlight. The batteries do not work. Uh, it, we have kind of an ongoing joke in our family. Like typically the power goes out up there at the ranch in the winter months. And so we'll be watching TV, we'll have a show on, all the lights around in the house, and whoof, everything's dark. And Stephanie goes, yay, let's get the games out, light up the candles, let's go. <laughs> and I'm like, don't worry, kids, I got the generator. We'll fire her up and get her going. And <laughs> so uh, we laugh about that because... Obviously, you know, it's, it resorts us to family time and things probably that are a little bit more meaningful when our power's out and getting the candles going and then, of course, finding the, can, or the flashlights and, and then we sit there in the dark, you know, but, uh, and occasionally I will get the generator going and we'll get the football game going again. But, uh, <laughs> but the, point, the point I'm getting at is you never really appreciate the light until you're in the dark. And um, I got to share with you a, a, a text that I got with, Alex here, just a, uh, um, this was earlier on when she was over there earlier in, in this village that she's at, and, and, and she said, uh, I'll, I'll just shorten it down here. She says, you wouldn't believe the life that I'm living. It's so difficult, but so well. I really miss home, and I'm really uncomfortable, but I'm happy. I have no electricity, and I spend most of my time in the dark. So this was the beginning of... Uh, April when she arrived, or not April, I'm sorry, middle of September. So she's been in the dark pretty much over there for two months, and it gets the, the hours over there, uh, they're, they're springtime hours, so it gets dark. I think she was saying it gets dark around 6 p.m., and it doesn't get light till. So you're in the dark for about 12 hours. And uh, our last text that we got from her just a week ago, she said, I have light. So <laughs> the lights came back on. They were able to get the lights back on the village. So uh, she's really appreciating the light. And, uh, and the don't we all appreciate the light, especially when we find ourselves in the dark.
try and get th through this in the three minutes I'm allowed. Um, so in my life right now, I feel like um, it just seems hard. And I can't name one single thing, but um, I would say that uh, it feels like I'm just trudging, trudging through life. Have you guys ever heard that expression? I think it's a, a British expression. I even looked it up in the dictionary. It says, walk slowly with heavy steps, typically because of exhaustion or harsh conditions. I trudged up the stairs to plod, tramp, tromp, drag oneself, walk heavily, walk slowly, plow, slog, toil, trek. A difficult or laborer's walk. And that's just how I feel most days. And I, I try and like not feel that way, but sometimes you just, you just, you feel the way you feel. And that's just the way it is. And, you know, I turn to God and I pray and, you know, I read the word and it's just, uh, it just seems like it just permeates me sometimes. I can't, can't figure it out, but um, I've been feeling lately and God's been giving me some, instead of to, to um, trudge, to march, and he's giving, giving me uh, marching orders. So this is what I've been hearing lately. This is what I've been hearing God tell me. He says, be upstanding in the sight of the Lord. Be courageous. Be loving and spread love. Be hopeful. Speak of the hope of the Lord. Be at peace and speak peace. Be content at where you're at. You don't know what wonderful things I have planned for you. Be a good servant. Be a good servant and serve me by serving others. Be in the word and never cease from prayer. Be honorable and know honor and seek it. See people how I see them. And there's a verse in Philippians 4, 8, and it says, um, the things you're supposed to med meditate on. It says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. So I'm just trying to change from trudging to marching for God. And, and uh, you know, repenting of, of depression and all that stuff. So there you go. yesterday saw my brother-in-law and was talking to him about just for a few minutes about some of the life struggles and he shared that exact same verse he's like that's the verse that God's been showing me so I thought Nick should know that that's the same exact verse my brother-in-law told me yesterday I told him I have that verse written up on our homeschool whiteboard as our verse for this year so 
um, I don't know what that means, but we're with you and we love you and we're all trying to focus on those things. Since the very first time I heard the um, Reckless Lo Love song, I, it's been the song that goes over and over in me and my heart uh, for a long time now. <laughs> um, it's actually from the parable of the lost sheep in Luke. And I'm so thankful that God left the 99 and carried me back on his shoulders and I'm so thankful that he has left the 99 to carry Ken and Tyler and uh, Nate and Nate Wilson back on his shoulders some time back I shared that my family is broken and that I really my mother's heart wants reconciliation and I'm so thankful that um, Tyler's daughter has now written to him and that he they're in a writing relationship right now and that Tyler's sister has finally written to him and we'll see where that goes but thankful that God leaves the 99 to bring back that one. So when Nick was sharing, he had said, what wonderful plans I have for you. And I immediately I felt the Holy Spirit throw Jeremiah 29:11 on my heart. For I know the plans that I have for you, plans for good and not evil. And I was just thinking about that as week before last I was in Florida at a couple of job interviews, and there was one specifically that I wanted. And I w going into it, I didn't think I had the credentials to get it. And I didn't think that I was had what I needed to be a good candidate, but I went in there and did the best that I could in the interview. And uh, the next day I got a call from them saying they, they wanted to invite me to come to their standardization program, which is kind of how they eventually choose. If you pass, they take you on as an instructor, flight instructor, and if you don't, then you don't have the job. And I didn't think I was going to get the invitation. And the next day, I got the invitation. And it was just like, immediately, God was like, I know where I'm taking you. Like I've, this is where I'm, you know, it, it was just such a cool opportunity. And so uh, this last week, as Haley and I were moving out of the house that we've been running and get everything moved to the storage unit, it's been just crazy and busy. And uh, I got a phone call from that same school, and they saying, oh, we're going to be sending you to Jacksonville. And immediately was like, well, that, that's not what I signed up for. You know, I wanted to be in Orlando. That's where we have friends and family. And so I immediately started praying, like, God, if, it, if this is your will, you'll, you'll take me where you want me. And uh, through some crazy circumstances, uh, God actually opened the door for me to stay in Orlando. Uh, if I passed standardization, it was just that peace and knowing that God has my like, he's got plans for me, and he's going to take me where, and those doors are going to open and close, and he will guide me. And it's just been a crazy process, the peace of knowing he's got this, and I'll just go where he takes me. And it's been quite a ride, but it's been so good.
my, <laughs> um, this is a little long. I chopped and chopped and this was as short as I could get, so I'm sorry. Um, but this is my flashlight. Ever since I became a Christian, I have had a heart, a compulsion to heal the sick, cast out demons and raise the dead. I've prayed for hundreds of people, but seldom ever saw results. In fact, after I prayed, some people's conditions even worsened. And I swore many times to never pray for anyone ever again. But the sick and oppressed kept finding me. Besides the people I knew, complete strangers on the street, cashiers in stores, and even a repairman one time in our home just started spilling their stories of sickness and pain and disease to me. And I tried not to pray. I bit my bottom lip and clenched my hands together. But finally, my compulsion would prevail. And I'd ask if I could pray. Most people said yes, and I'd slap an eager hand on them and erupt in prayer, only to again see no results. I would be embarrassed for me and for God and feel bad for the victims who usually thanked me for trying and for caring enough to try. When Tara, my sister, had to have open heart surgery and then got cancer right afterward, I felt completely betrayed by God. Every prayer I prayed seemed to produce the exact opposite. When Steph Parker was in the hospital giving birth to her twins and she got so sick, my faith nearly failed. We had all prayed for her. How did the devil get to her? When greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. But thank God, he uses even bad things for good. And these mysteries sent me on a quest for answers. I cannot even guess how many YouTube videos I've watched on of Kenneth Hagin, Catherine Kuhlman, and other old-time and present-day healers. I have no idea how many books I've read on healing and how many hours I've spent studying the scriptures for answers to why. Why, God, didn't you heal? What am I doing wrong? Why don't you answer my prayers? Then finally, the Holy Spirit revealed some things to me that answered many of my questions. The greatest truth I learned was that Jesus already made provision for our healing. He took our sins and our sicknesses to the grave and rose without them. And as far as God is concerned, we believers are already healed. Matthew 8:16 says, Jesus himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses, and by his stripes we were healed. 1 Peter 2:24 says, himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Psalm 107:20 says, God sent his word and healed, past tense, healed them. I believe those facts with all my heart, and praise God, I have not had a cold or the flu for over two years. Oh, yes, Satan comes to tempt me to believe I'm coming down with something. Sometimes I feel like a voodoo doll. First, he will poke me in a knee, and I'll rebuke him, wielding my shield of faith and shouting my sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Then when that pain goes, he'll poke the other knee and tell me my meniscus is torn and I'll need surgery, and I'll slash him again with the word. He'll send a sniffle or a sore throat or any number of lying symptoms, but I don't agree with him or believe or receive anything that liar sends. I know I was healed by the stripes of Jesus. That's what I believe. That's what I say. That's what I get. The Bible says there are gifts of healing. And I used to think I needed a gifted person to pray for me when I was sick. But I've learned we can also be healed just by having faith in God's word. His word is medicine. Proverbs 4, 20 through 22 says, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. The Bible teaches that if I have faith, I can move mountains. But at first, I didn't really know what I was supposed to have faith in. I would pray and then just think really, really hard about what I wanted to happen. I would squeeze my eyes shut as tight as, tight as they would squeeze and grit my teeth and conjure up the best and biggest image I could of the answer I wanted, not unlike Pepper in the movie Little Boy. But no matter how hard I pushed, I couldn't give birth to any manifestations of my prayers. 
then the Holy Spirit taught me that my faith was in the wrong thing. My faith needed to be in the word of God. I needed to find a promise or a fact in my Bible, believe it in my heart, then submit it to God. And if I didn't believe it in my heart, I needed to meditate on the promises and facts until faith was produced in my heart because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So in studying the word, I learned that God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. I always thought Jesus could do what he did because he was Jesus, the son of God, but he laid aside his divine power when he came to earth. The reason he could heal and do miracles was because he was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power and God was with him. We also are anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power and God is with us so we can do good and heal all who are oppressed by the devil just like Jesus did. Hebrews 1.3 and Colossians 1.15 say Jesus was the exact representation of the Father and since Jesus never turned down anyone who came to him for healing, we know that healing is always his will and therefore always the Father's will. And 1 John 5.14.15 says, if I know I'm praying according to God's will, I know he hears me and if I know he hears me, I know I can have the petitions I've asked for. In Mark 11.22-24, Jesus says, have the God kind of faith. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not dot in his heart, but shall believe those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Second Corinthians 5, 7 says we walk by faith and not by sight. That was a huge revelation for me. Whenever I prayed for someone and I didn't see results, I thought my prayer didn't work. And the same was true whenever someone prayed for me. If I didn't feel tingling or warmth or see some evidence, I believed their prayer didn't work. I believed what I saw more than what God's word says. And his word says, these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. If ever we are overcome with some infirmity, we need to know, we need to expect when a believer lays hands on us and prays that we shall recover. And we believers need to know and expect that when we pray for others, they shall recover, just because God's word says so, no matter what we do or do not see or feel. The woman with the issue of blood said, if I just touch the hem of Jesus' garment, I shall be healed. That's what she believed. That's what she said. That's what she did. That's what she got. Had she said, gee, I hope if I touch his hem, I will get healed, she would have been walking by wishful thinking, not by faith, and she would not have been healed. Jesus told her and many others that it was their faith that made them well, or according to their faith it was done unto them, and to just believe. God said in Ephesians 1-3 that he has blessed, past tense, he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly, heavenly places in Christ. Spiritual and heavenly places are just unseen places. God is a spirit, and he blesses us through the spirit realm, the unseen realm. Then with our faith, we pull the manifestation of those blessings into the physical realm. Over and over, God's word says that when we call, he answers. What if he is serious about that? What if when we pray for something... What if when I pray for something that I know is God's will, he answers my prayer? What if it is answered right now? It's just still in spirit form, but because I can't see it yet, I believe he didn't answer me, and I lose my faith, and therefore the physical manifestation. In Daniel chapter 9, while Daniel is praying, the angel Gabriel arrives with the answer to his prayer. In chapter 10, Daniel prays again, but this time it takes 21 days for the answer to come. And the angel tells Daniel that as soon as he prayed, God answered. But demonic forces withstood the messenger for 21 days. 
Maybe that's what happens to my prayers sometimes. Maybe God answers them immediately, but Satan and his demons hold them up in the spirit realm. I believe if I keep my faith in God's word and just keep thanking him for answering me and for the manifestation, it will happen. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, We are to fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. What is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Jesus gave me his authority to bind and to loose and over serpent scorpions and over all the power of the devil. I can bind Satan from the manifestations of my prayers and loose myself and others from his grip. So why is the devil still attacking us with such success? Why do so many of us have stories that seem to represent unanswered prayer? Last month, our beloved dog Moose died. He was only six and a half years old. He kept throwing up, so we took him to the vet, and with an ultrasound, the vet saw a mass around his liver, so he recommended exploratory surgery after the vomiting stopped. Of course, we prayed our hearts out. I laid hands on Moose and prayed and believed with all my heart that the mass would be gone and the surgery would not even have to take place. Then he got an infection in his throat the size of a softball, and we had to wait through three rounds of antibiotics before the surgery. We continued to pray, and I began to fast. Moose got sicker. I took him back to the vet, and his liver numbers were so high, the vet wanted to open him up right then. David was out of town, so I said, okay. Moose had an enormous tumor throughout his whole underside that the vet couldn't even get his hands around. He said the most humane thing would be to not wake him up. So I said, okay. And in a heartbeat, our moose was gone. I was flabbergasted, devastated, and mad. I cried every day. I cried for my moose. I cried because everything I believed didn't work. Then I cried out to God. He told me he wasn't to blame, that I was the one who gave up. And he was right. I'd been standing on Mark 11, 23, and 24, but when the vet gave me his recommendation, I panicked and forgot everything I knew. I let God's word depart from my eyes, my ears, and my heart, and I believed the vet's words. I acted on the vet's words instead of God's and essentially believed the vet more than I believed God. I got sideswiped with fear in an instant and let the devil take my dog. I don't think I realized until then what an evil enemy Satan is. I guess I thought since I had done all the right things for such a long time that what, Satan would respect that and give in? Hardly. It was a life and death battle, and I needed to fight with all my powerful spiritual weapons until the very end. But I gave up. Then the devil tried to dismantle me with guilt and condemnation, but strangely, that word God gave me has empowered me. It gave me a picture of what could have been and what can be when my faith is perfected, and I am anchored there. Moose's death is not going to be for nothing. What Satan meant for evil is going to be used for good and for God's glory. Jesus is the author and perfecter of my faith, and Jesus is the word of God. So as I continue to hear and hear the word of God, Jesus will perfect my faith. I will pray for more people, and I will see healings, miracles, manifestations, and results. I've heard other ministers of God's power say never give up. They say that in the beginning they didn't see results. Nobody got healed, and some people they prayed for even died. But one day, all of a sudden, their prayers for healings and miracles just started manifesting, and they never stopped. Todd White says he prayed for about 1,000 people before he saw results. What if he had stopped at 999? So I um, have been going to a public middle school for about two months, and um, it's nice because I get to see friends, but it's also bad because some of the kids um, are inappropriate and stuff, and so um, it, I get tempted to act like them, 
and so that I can fit in. But um, Psalm 119.101 says that we sh I have refused to walk on any evil path so that I may remain obedient to God's word. And so that's what I should do instead of trying to fit in. My turn. All right. So recently I've been struggling with conflicting emotions regarding my faith and my situation. It's become clear to me that I've stepped away from God a bit and I'm suffering from it. Through all of the struggle, I've started questioning things, like why is God allowing this when I can pray and pray and watch everything get worse? However, last night, Mom was talking about thinking something up about what God is showing us. I immediately thought, well, I don't have anything from God on my mind, or I haven't heard anything. Then I was like, oh, it's because I haven't heard anything because I haven't been listening. I decided to look through my heart change stuff in my frantic search to find something to share, and I wanted to read this. <laughs> So this, they have like a list of all of their core values. It's a lovely little sheet. And um, <laughs> one of the things on here is identity. And so it says, it has been said that sin is the despairing refusal to find your deepest identity in your relationship and service to God. We believe that when a person is truly able to receive in their hearts the identity of who they are in Christ, they will find greater healing, fulfillment, satisfaction, purpose, and holiness. I need all of those things, and despite the fact that I might be neglecting God, he hasn't left me, and, it, and it's as easy as breathing to go back to him because he makes it that easy. I wasn't planning on sharing. But a couple things happened. I had the weirdest day yesterday, and I'm going to explain it to you, and there's a reason. But first, I just realized while I'm waiting that there's some, there's some stuff going on in my life right now, some decisions I need to make. And I just realized I've got four guys in this church that I'm going to talk to about that. And, like, it's just really cool to have that. When I first was in Cody, I didn't have people. In the, so it's, I, I feel like I'm part of the body. Um, yeah, yeah, I'll just stop there. No, I don't want to stop there. Um, a sign, one to me, one sign of a healthy church is that there's some men in the church that are stepping up and doing things, and, and not just the women, and I'm not putting women down, and I was funny, because I was thinking this in my head, and I thought, I'm going to say, no, I'm not dissing women at all, I just want the men to do their job, too, and, and I was going to say, Tommy, I love it when you speak, and then I was going to say, Tammy, I really am always encouraged when you come up. And literally, as I was thinking that, looking this direction, she came up next to me to share. <laughs> so I'm very glad you shared. Um, okay, so that's out. Okay, so yesterday, <laughs> had a food drive for Cody Cupboard. So Keith, you know, we always, Young Life, we get some kids together and go, and we meet with other volunteers, and then we spread out town, and we go to door to door, and we say, hey, do you have cans or non-perishable food? And we get it, we bring it back to Cody, wherever we're at, auditorium, VFW. The day before I met a kid for the second time at the rec center, I realized I'm supposed to be inviting kids to help me. So I'm like, hey, I don't know you, but do you want to come help tomorrow? He came. Well, he was going to come. He says, okay, I talked to his parents. And he says, okay, I'll meet you at 940 at this church because he lives close to me, which is kind of cool. Invited another kid, too, that goes to school at Eastside. Anyway, I get up. I have men's breakfast. Miss my alarm. I didn't, I didn't wake up. So I get to men's breakfast at 
45. It started at 8. Um, I, I slept really well, but way too long. And the, the phone did wake me up, but it was like the third alarm that woke me up, not the first one. So <laughs> and I put three alarms in just in case. So anyway, I get there late, and then I have to leave. This kid's there. I'm like, okay, rough morning start, but he's there. Cool, awesome. And I'm driving to go pick up Josiah, who was thinking of coming. And then I call him, and he doesn't answer twice. And so I didn't go all the way to his house because I was going to be short on time to get there at 10. It turned out to be the right choice, but that's just another thing that didn't go right, you know. The plan was to pick him up, and it didn't go. It's the second thing that didn't go according to my script. Um, so then anyway, I get, I'm on the way to the VFW on Bighorn Avenue, and my car, my gauge, my temperature gauge goes whoop, right up to high, and my radiator fan's kicking on. That happened last year when my radiator had leaked, and I got a new one. And so I knew that I needed to put more coolant in. I'm low on coolant, and it does that. I'm like, okay, there's a third thing. So luckily, not, I don't believe in luck. Fortunately, um, I had been keeping about a gallon of coolant in my car ever since the last time. And so I was able to put that in. That fixed, and I got there a couple minutes late. Oh, and it was the wrong location. I was told twice to go to the VFW. Justin and I were, he's like, no, we're going to the auditorium. I was told auditorium. I was like, I was told VFW. So that's like the fourth thing. We get to the VFW, no one's there. But I told the other kid's mom, meet us at the VFW. So then, this is all by 10 in the morning. <laughs> so then I get there and, um, yeah, the point is everything was going wrong. But, um, so I end up waiting for that kid to go over there and we're doing doors. Then we go out afterward, we go out to eat and I take, Keith gave us his card, credit card at McFarger King to get food with, because he's paying for the Young Life kids. And I have it in my hand, and the cashier needs to do something. So I'm kind of bored waiting for him to come back. And I stuck it halfway in the drop box for the donation. And I said, wouldn't it be funny if somebody like dropped one of the, and somehow it just slipped out of my hand. Not on purpose. So now I've got Keith's <laughs> credit card in the drop box. <laughs> Stupidest thing in my life. So anyway. Long story, I had to borrow a bolt cutter from Dave, buy a lock at Baumgars and see Ken, go back, break the lock, get the thing out, put the new lock on, give them the key. That was my day yesterday. But everything I did that, that didn't go right, that ended up making all those kids there, gave them a fun story. And kind of, I think next time I invite them to something, they're going to know me better. and. Like, it ended up working out well, and it made a lot of funny stories, and they probably felt better because their day wasn't that bad. So everything that could have happened bad, I just had a good attitude. And, I mean, that could have been, like, the kind of day that set someone, like, really mad. And the kids got to see that. I didn't get upset. Like, I was kind of freaked out, but I didn't get upset. So, I don't know. No matter what goes wrong, God's going to work through it, and... Yes, I don't know. I don't know why I shared that all, but it was crazy. <laughs> okay to double dip, right? <laughs> um, this is partially in response to what you were saying and also in response to the song we sing about the joy of the Lord is our strength.
and what I said earlier about looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him. We, we've heard that scripture a lot. The joy that was set before him. Yeah, yeah, joy is set. What was that joy? What was that? What possible joy could have been set before him that gave him the ability to endure the cross? What was that joy? Us. Relationship, a clean, unfettered, unhindered relationship with us, his creation. That was the joy. And that's our strength, his joy in us. That's what we look forward to. That's what our eyes are on instead of what's happening. That joy, joy. Song. 
I too, like Stephanie, want to proclaim my healing. And I know the Lord has healed me. And I'm sorry, but I don't know if anybody else that's had surgery, gone to the doctor and got their healing that way is feeling guilty. Because what Tammy said, all of it is true. All of it is scriptural. But I believe in a God who loves me. I believe that if you're in a wreck or an accident or you found out you've got cancer, guess where you're going to go heading? To the hospital, to the doctor. So I do believe in miracles. I do believe in prayer. I do believe that when we stand in prayer for one another, that it's a big, huge thing that we don't even get to see. The darkness wants to stop us from seeing that, so we give up. And I know from living in pain, your mind gets messed up. You can't see straight. You can't think straight. And you want to give up. And people would come up and want to pray for me at church, and I agree wholeheartedly with that. And I embrace that. And yet all the while in the back of my mind is the Holy Spirit saying, it's okay. It's okay. Because I know that your heart 
God's intent is not to make me feel bad or like I don't have enough faith or I'm not doing things right or I'm not letting go of some sin I have. That is also not true. God is in the back of my head the whole time when those things are being spoken at me saying, you're good. It's about salvation. It's about my purpose on earth here. And when I go to the doctor or when I have to go in the hospital, it's about how I act. Where is my light going to be when I'm in those places of really extreme pain now, but knowing I'm going to get better? Am I treating the nurse rotten? Am I being difficult? The Lord was with me the whole time. And just because you have hip surgery or heart surgery doesn't mean you're faithless at all. There's one guarantee in life, and that's all we're, we're all going to die someday. We don't get to choose how. We don't get to choose to know that. God already knows it. But that's the one constant in life is that we're going to die someday. And I'm good with that because there were times when I was in so much pain, that would have been a relief. And I often wonder about Lazarus when God, he, he was in the grave three days, right? He was, so I'm sure he was just excited and happy and content. But it was the people around him that loved him, wanted him back. They wanted him back so bad that they couldn't let him go. And so they called Jesus to do that miracle. And I always often wonder, what did Lazarus think of that? Was he happy about that? I don't know. But evidently, the Lord knew that he also had more work to do. So raised him from the dead. But we don't have to feel like we're losers or we're less than or we're faithless or we're sinners just because we don't get a miraculous healing. God loves each and every one of us where we're at and who we are. And so I'm here standing here today saying I am healed. And it's because of your prayers that I could endure that pain until we found the solution. And I'm so thankful and grateful to my husband who endured, I don't know how many years of doing everything. And I felt so guilty. I couldn't have you guys over because you would see him waiting on you, him doing the dishes, him cooking. I couldn't do laundry. I'd get home from work and all I could do was sit in my chair and sometimes cry because the pain was so bad. And I want you to know that this man also saved my life because of his gift of taking care of me. And I know that was so hard for him and it was hard for me to watch. But I'm so grateful for it, for that gift. And to me, that's a miracle these days to have a man who would stick by you and not think you were lazy or pretending or, or any of that, because it would have been easier for him to walk away. But I am so grateful. 
that he didn't. And I just wanted to make that clear that just because you didn't get a miracle. And Tammy, you keep praying for miracles. You keep doing that. God has obviously dropped that on you to do. Well, I forgive you. I know. I know that's not your heart, Tammy. But it's the Holy Spirit telling me because there's probably people out here that were feeling the same way as me. So just some a little bit of correction there to say you don't have to feel bad about the way God brought that healing to you. All, all we want is, yes, God's word says he wants us healed. So now we need to figure out how to walk in that. And if it's by miracle like Lori got, praise God. If it's by um, surgery that um, Stephanie got and Michelle got and Wayne got and Dad got and Roland got, and so, I'm sure there's more, then go for it. That's good, too. And I know Lucas it has to be on medicine, and that's okay, too. And we, we just appreciate God for all of his blessings that encompass all of us. I know. And we've talked before, and it's all a mystery how it all works. Because it works different here over here than it does over here for this person and that person. But it's all it's all good and it's all God. No, he did not. And I love that woman. I love her, the one in the Bible. And I've read that story so many times. I just want to say, um, I agree with Tammy and I agree with Connie. I had to have, um, I was believing for healing and almost to the point of death um, uh, in 2009 with my gallbladder and I just couldn't seem to get it to where I got to the hospital, barely able to walk in and they said, you know, you can die from stuff like this because all my blood levels were so messed up. Um, and I'm thankful for all the prayer, and I, I got through that surgery. I had to have the big cut, and um, anyway, just to say, I know that God works both ways. Um, my passion is also, though, what do you do when the doctors can't do anymore? And that's what we need to get built up for, um, Sometimes there's nothing they can do. They send people home to die, and they get healed. Um, so just don't stop believing and get yourself. Um, I just feel like the enemy is really working overtime in the church these days. He wants to take us out early. And um, if we're not ready, if we don't build our house before, um, it's harder to build it when you're in the midst of the trial. Um, so... Yeah, whatever way you got to get healed, get healed, but 
Get yourself ready to be healed. <laughs> and also, let me say, in death, you are healed. How much of our time is this big? We think it's this big. But the time on earth is just not even that big. Because eternity is forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. So when we're praying for healing for sick people, I absolutely believe it that they're going to be healed. Absolutely. But do I get mad because that didn't take place on earth? No. You just keep praying, and you pray for the people around them. But we don't have to be afraid. That's why God came. That's why he sent his son Jesus. So we don't have to be afraid to die. You wanting to share? So let me just jump in here in the middle of this, and, and I'm going to say some stuff. I know we're going along right now, okay? I'm trying to shorten it up. But, Tammy, I knew when you were sharing all of that stuff, scriptural stuff, all of it's great. But then I'm, I'm trying to, and you guys don't know this very much, but Connie and I, before she went to surgery, we had been trying to reconcile what we believed in the Word of God and what our experience was. And I've been around church long enough to know that some of the names that you dropped that you were listening to are ones that are responsible for a lot of people believing that they just don't have enough faith. And I don't believe that's what the case is. Um, but I, I do believe in the scriptures, so I, that's why I've dedicated my life to preaching the word. So why, what happens when it doesn't work out the way you want it to or the way we believe scripture says? And that's where the point, Tammy, that you made probably was one of the most important ones is Moose still died. And we could, we could probably even go into a, a theological debate on whether or not Jesus' healing is for our animals or not, right? But the thing is, is do we continue to follow in the midst of whatever we go through? And, and I can't think of the disciple's name right now, but there's a disciple in Scripture that was killed, and it pleased Herod. And he said, well, let's hold on to Peter and maybe do the same thing. And then the church prayed Peter out of prison, right? At least that's what we see happen. Okay, so I would have rather been Peter, right? Um, but the thing is, is when we... <sighs> now, now I'm starting to see the wisdom in the model of the church where the pastor is the only one that brings the word. What am I saying? And this is what we need to all be prepared for. Because if anybody heads for the doors and says, I'm never going back there because they offended me or something was said that offended me, then you're not really a part of the church. Because i got to tell you guys, I wouldn't still be a pastor if I quit. I mean, you guys, I wouldn't even be pastoring here in Cody, Wyoming, if I would have quit because somebody said something that was true that I didn't want to hear. And sometimes people say things that aren't true that you don't want to hear, and you still have to 
wade through it. So where we are going as a church, I believe, is where God wants to take the church. And that is where we all are ministers of the word, but we need to understand that as ministers of the word, we have to look at it from different angles so that we understand the struggles that people have as we present the word. Makes sense? I didn't like it, and some of you guys probably still feel this way about me, that Kenny is very intense. And I remember my pastor in Oregon, Daryl Roberts, telling me, Kenny, you need to realize that you're responsible for how people perceive you. Well, that's about the dumbest thing I've ever heard, Daryl. How can I be responsible? He said, there are things that you can do that can help people. You can word things differently. You can, you know, so like when God said to me, sometimes you guys have heard me say, I think this might be the Lord that's saying this to me, or it might be the pizza I had last night. See, it gives people a way out. And, and so as we share the word, there's the power of it. And, and then that's why I, I said that... <laughs> When we share, we need to realize there's a place where we defend it, but we don't beat each other up. So I'm hoping nobody feels beat up right now. Because I love you guys, and I so much, I mean, I love everything that you guys got up and said. I was back there taking notes. So if anybody looked back at me, I was most of the time taking notes on my phone because I forgot to get a pad of paper so I could do it easier that way. There's sometimes a pad of paper is easier. Isn't that true? Yeah, she thinks all the time. We, we go back and forth on that. But listen, as much as I value everything that you guys said, man, I just value so much the kids coming up and sharing. You know, it's like I tell our, our kids, you guys are cute, but you, the grandkids are way cuter. And to me, when I see our kids grabbing onto this, I realize that they are the ones that are going to pass this on as a legacy to the next generation because if God is taking the church in a different direction than what most of us grew up with, then we have to practice it now so that our kids are able to take it to the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. So Flashlight Sunday isn't a one-time event. I believe it's supposed to be something that increases in our church. Um, and it will be scary at times. Guarantee you. Jesse always makes a little... I know he's out there this morning, but Jesse always makes a comment about how dangerous letting people share on Sundays is. I'm not going to repeat it. I'm just going to tell you guys, it always is, is a chuckle for us because sometimes things can go completely off a different direction than what you thought you would explain people to do. Linda, do you want to share real quick? Okay. Then we're going to go to communion. All right. The Sunday that Kenny spoke about um, uh, being a light, um, that Sunday morning I, I happened to see a, a little YouTube um, devotional. And it was uh, this Christian Jew, and he was sharing about Genesis 1, um, 1 and 2. And um, uh, let me just get my Bible. This is the best thing. I'll try to make it brief. Okay. 
And it's the scripture that we all know real well. Um, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was on the face of the earth, of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Verse 2. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And what he shared was the word, the Greek, or not the Greek, but the Hebrew word for light is O-H-R, or. And what that word means, literally, in Hebrew is order. God brings order. God is, is the Lord is my light and my salvation. He's, he's our order. We are light bearers. And we bring order in people's lives. God's light brings order in our chaos. What problems do you have in your family, in your job, in your body? God wants to bring light. He wants to bring order in our lives. Um, one scripture that... Uh, when I started thinking about that, my, my brain was going crazy because I was thinking of all the scriptures. You know, the Lord is just bringing all these scriptures to my mind. And I just, there's one especially that I want to share. And that's James 2, I mean, James 1, 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. Father of order, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. There's no hidden agenda behind him. He's not going to give you something and take it back. It's, it's true gift of light, of order. He wants to bring order. Question, Tommy. So is it the same Hebrew word light that God uses in Genesis, the same Hebrew word that we translate as light in John 2? It is not. Okay. The New Testament's written in Greek, Old Testament in Hebrew. But in the... Does it translate? I don't know. I didn't, I didn't study that. Linda did. She's the one that got it. But I'll say this. The Hebrew concept would be the same. Right. And and the and the Bereans were really fair-minded, and they heard things, and then they went to see if those things were so. So I would say, Tommy, you found yourself a really good study this week. <laughs> a study guide, yeah, Troy. One more, the Parkers. Okay. Thanks for that, Troy. <coughs> uh, so this uh, flashlight thing is always very applicable um, in lots of different ways. 
but um, for what God has really been teaching me and bringing me through, shining the light on. Um, I'm just going to stick with what I wrote, so I'll stay concise. But uh, so life and the enemy has broken me down a lot, and the healing that came after has not been according to God's will because I've not gone to the great physician for that healing. At one point in life, it was because I did not know that that was an option, um, and I, I didn't know of the Lord. And then life changed, and then I was at a point in life of staying in that bad habit and that default of myself. So I came under a lie that um, I can only depend on myself. But now I'm at a point in life where um, he's calling me to, to take all of that back to him. Um, all the years of misdirect and incorrect healing, years of bad habits and bad default settings to bring all of that to the shepherd. To the shepherd that left the 99 just for me. To, um, which has been a whole radical thing for me that he would do that. The first time I read that story, I thought, Heck no, I'm not leaving my 99 sheep to go get one. I'll just let it go. But he constantly tells me that I'm worth way more than that. And I'm in this process of going back to those original injuries and those original hurts and allowing, and more importantly, trusting God to re-break them and put them um, back to re-break them, but then to carry me and to teach me and to lead me in the way that will bring true healing and full healing that will bring glory to his kingdom. Because when we learn about our shepherd and we learn about shepherding, that when lambs continue to stray, that the shepherds will break their legs, but then carry them on their body to keep them safe. And so to be able to trust God with that is a huge process for me as I'm undoing all those old bad habits. But um, the glory will come to his kingdom and the healing will be true this time because it will be the work of his hands and not just in my physical body, but more importantly, in my heart and in my faith. And um, I saw a picture on Facebook that I shared and maybe some of you saw it, but it, and I don't know if it's true or if it was just someone that came up with a clever idea, but... It was of a snake that wandered into a hardware store and um, slithered over a saw and it got cut. And then it immediately like attacked back onto the saw and started wrapping itself around to try and kill what had hurt it. And in the process, the snake died, of course, because the saw just kind of ripped it to pieces. And God keeps bringing these really kind of vulgar like images, you know, of the breaking of legs and re-breaking these wounds and the different medical processes that are scary that I went through and this image of that snake that God was just revealing to me that um, that that uh, pain causes me to lose focus that um, I'm losing focus my I'm misdirecting my efforts and my trust and my faith is in myself instead of God. When that pain comes like that saw, I become that snake and I just turn um, to the wrong thing instead of just letting go and, and letting God. 
So um, it's a really hard and painful process, but God, and I just keep hearing God saying, therefore, you know, this process is there for a reason. And so as I kept thinking of specific scriptures that God has been leading me to, he just reminded me that the whole Bible is his promise an assurance of his love for me and it's just a gift of the proof that I can hold on to to trust him to be able to let go and let him do the work so that these bad habits and default settings and and incorrectly healed places can be turned over for glory for his kingdom what's up I don't know. Don't know. So, when I was a little guy, Dad had some trucks. And those trucks sometimes needed some work. And as a little guy, Dad would say, son, actually, he'd usually say, junior, come outside. Need your help. Well, at that age, about the best I could do was hold the flashlight. So he'd say, we never had a flashlight this nice either, Dad. No. Sometimes you had to shake it, you know, do little things with it. But he'd say, shine it right down there on that for me. And he'd start working, and I'd start daydreaming. Is it son, junior, junior. Back here. Back, I, need, I need the light right there. Okay. Okay, Dad. Okay, Dad. So I'd watch him for a little bit, and again, I'd be off somewhere else looking at other, other parts of the motor or just not even paying attention. I might be looking right at where he's working, but the light has went like this. And, and the reason why I think the Lord brought that to my mind is, is that you guys, all of us seem to have our lights going in different directions, but I'm telling you that what we're doing is, is we are really aiming our light right here at Jesus, the communion that we have in Christ and the many facets that that represents is why we are called to come to this table and partake of the bread and remember that it's him, it's him, our focus as we bring our words, those things that he's revealed in his word, the focus is Christ. The focus is what he's done for us on the cross. And in the imperfections and in the incompletions that we may still see, that we are called to this table to come and partake of the wholeness of Jesus Christ, to come and partake of the blood that was shed for our sins. Obviously, this isn't really, I mean, it's bread, and, and depending on what kind of church you're in, you may believe that this actually begins to, this takes on and becomes the body of Christ. To me, Jesus wasn't saying, this bread has to take on being my body. What Jesus was saying is, you got to remember, you guys, you need me. 
on the same night that he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, take, eat, this is my body. And then he took the cup after supper and he said, here, drink this. This, is, this represents, I believe he's saying, this represents my blood that was shed for your sins. As long as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You guys, everything that we've done today has been taking the flashlight of the word and shining it on Christ. And some of us may have wandered off just a little bit. Some of us may have focused on one particular thing. But the thing is, is all of those things are the facets of Christ being revealed in his church. And that's exciting to me. I just, I was sitting back there even after three of you had shared. I said, man, this is good stuff. Whoa, this is monster preaching going on. But this is the preaching that we are called to remember every time we have it. The preaching of Christ. Amen.